All right, welcome to the Dear Kobe podcast, episode three. It's been a while since the last one, but I wanted to hold off on this one for a little while just because I wanted to do it in person with uh, a special guest that I have today. Uh, her name is Sasha Stone. She is also my girlfriend. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Um, so wanted to get into a, a bit of a topic that you're very knowledgeable on uh, wellness and some of the things surrounding that. But I wanted to give you a chance to introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about you and things that are, are important to you. Sure. Well, my name is Sasha, as you've already said, I'm a life coach and a wellness consultant, particularly for people that work from home, just like you and I work from home. It's something that I, I've been passionate about really for as long as I can remember wellness in general. And then it's evolved into wellness for people that work from home ever since I started working for automatic, which is a distributed company, mm -hmm. meaning that all of us for the most part work from home, especially during the pandemic when we all have to work from home. Yes. It's a very, uh, timely episode today since everything since everything that's going on now with more companies working from home and being able to change your mindset a little bit going from working in an office into a home environment especially if you have family and uh, kids and all of that stuff um so you said you've been doing it for how long in total well i've been working in the field of wellness, goodness, uh, since 2009, actually, since the last recession. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of full circle now. At that time, I was teaching yoga and doing Thai massage and teaching meditation. And that evolved into creating a self-care program for women and that evolved into life coaching. And now that's all come together into working specifically with people that work from home because I do feel that we have a unique set of needs that is different than people that leave home every day to go to an office and have a, a different kind of life routine. However, like you said, this is more and more relevant to more and more people now. Yeah. And as someone that has been sort of in this uh, or has so much experience in this type of environment, working from home and, and some of the challenges and uh, some of the perks that come with it, um, do you see in terms of what's happening now, do you see that just becoming even more important for people, companies, and so on, like the type of things that they do to not only make their employees' lives better, but also the employees themselves. Definitely. I think that there's a lot of almost fantasy around working from home. It seems like this really idyllic situation. And in a lot of ways, it is. However... In order to 
continue to take care of yourself and do the things that are important to you, you have to be even more disciplined about your time and your routines in a way that you don't have to be if there are certain times of day when you have to leave the house. So I think this is something that can be overlooked when people are transitioning to working from home. They will focus only on the great perk of being able to be at home and have everything they want and need in close proximity. And it's not necessarily something that a company will take into consideration in terms of how to help people make that transition or what kind of tools to provide in order to help them keep the other aspects of their life together, not just work, Mm -hmm. but also how they're taking care of themselves. Because when we take care of ourselves, that's when we show up well for work that's when we're the most productive most focused most creative and so that's why i think it's so important and it's something that i think companies could put more focus into yeah you actually segued really well into my question which i think we've kind of answered already but in terms of the importance of self-care when it comes to working from home and being in a in that type of environment, um, especially if you're, you know, used to your kids being in, you know, a daycare and now you have to kind of wrangle the kids while also making sure that you're being as efficient at work. Um, that's pretty difficult, especially nowadays. So in terms of like the importance of self-care and not necessarily like focusing on other people or your kids or whatever, but how important do you think self-care is uh, on oneself during this, you know, during working from home, whether that's temporary or uh, permanently? I think it's really important for people to understand what self-care means for them as unique individuals. Something that people might get really excited about working from home, for example, is, oh, I don't, I don't even have to get dressed in the morning. I can be in my pajamas all day. And and for some reason, that's something that seems highly appealing. That gets really old really quickly. When you learn that getting up and getting dressed and cleaning yourself up and looking presentable is something that actually gives you energy and makes you feel good. So part of it is understanding what self-care is for you. For some people, it's making sure they have time to go for a run. For others, it's having time to work on something creative that they enjoy. So the first step is really understanding what self-care is. And I I think that that word is used a lot and people take for granted that self-care is the same thing for everyone. And it, it's not, which is why I like to work with each individual to understand what their life is like and also what they need in order to feel cared for. Yeah, that's a good, good way to put it. One thing that you mentioned um, that I've taken from you is um, that idea of getting ready in the morning, you know, as if you were going to work in an office or store, whatever it may be. And 
you know, taking the time to get dressed and um, I don't do it all the time, but that feeling of getting dressed and, and, and feeling like I have somewhere to go, even if it's just my office is important because I think it changes the mindset that you have as you're going into work. Um, I think if you're going into work and you're just kind of wearing pajamas or whatever the case may be, like hair's messy or whatever, it's going to affect your mood whether you realize it or not. And I think that type of mindset is important for people that are not used to working from home. You know, they just think, like you said, they're just getting up out of bed and slumping on the desk and just starting work. But I feel like as you go on, your mindset changes and then that's when you start to kind of your efficiency definitely suffers, um, I believe, at least for me. So definitely, because something that helps us to be present in any situation is a sense of transition. There's always a transition point, And the advantage of working outside of home is that you are clearly transitioning from sleeping to your home, to then being in an outside environment. And that transition is part of what helps prepare you for your workday and to switch into that mind frame of now it's time to work. If you don't give yourself those symbols of transition, your mind is not necessarily ready to take on the workday. You're, if you're still wearing your pajamas and you haven't washed your face, and had a cup of coffee, you're still basically in sleep mode. And so it's going to take a lot longer for your brain to even understand that it's supposed to be firing in all cylinders. Mm -hmm. On top of that, as we've seen, working from home doesn't mean being completely invisible. We all meet with our colleagues over video calls and it's important to be presentable for those meetings, what, both in your appearance, but also in your physical being. I've definitely been in meetings, group meetings where I see people yawning <laughs> a lot. <laughs> and that just shows that they are not quite fully there. Yeah, they yeah. they definitely woke up 10 minutes before the meeting. Exactly. Which I've been guilty of, um, but then... I definitely feel like I'm not present in the meeting. And I feel like in those situations, I, I'm not really absorbing what my teammates are saying, but I'm also not contributing anything like valuable there. I'm, I'm basically just present in body, but not in mind. Exactly. Um, so one of the things that I do want to talk about is, is what to you is the difference between self-care in terms of breaking it down, self-care of the body, but also of the mind, especially when you're working, you know, in, in a home environment. I think they're completely connected. And again, I think everybody's going to have a different set of needs where that's concerned. I was speaking with a friend recently and she and I were laughing because I have a three hour long <laughs> morning routine mm -hmm. because I like to have all these separate components, but not everybody needs that. So taking care of your body does 
mean that you're taking care of your mind. Mm -hmm. So for example, going for a run. Obviously, there are physical benefits, cardiovascular benefits to doing that. And for many people, it's a meditative experience. You're in a zone, you're focused, you're outside, so you're in a different environment than your home. That's obviously going to have benefits to your mind to help clear your mind and again create that space for productivity creativity etc so when you're taking care of your body you are taking care of your mind same with what you put in your body what you nourish yourself with if you pay attention to your body and to your mind then you know that what you eat has an effect Mm -hmm. you know if you eat a really heavy, greasy meal, you probably want to take a nap after. (laughs) Versus if you eat something really fresh and packed with nutrients, then you'll feel more energized. Mm -hmm. Same thing if you don't eat at all and you're having a blood sugar crisis versus if you give yourself enough nourishment to be able to stay focused on what's in front of you rather than on your hunger. Yeah, Yeah, and that's a good point. Um, I think when you think about some of those things, like I I, I think most people understand that if you exercise, you tend to feel a little bit better. Some people exercise differently, so it's just all relative to them. But nutrition is also, you know, a pretty big deal when it comes to how you feel every single day. And especially if you're working from home, if you're just you know, going to the kitchen and snacking on potato chips and all that stuff as you're working, you're probably going to feel a a lot less energy in your day than if you had like a really good lunch that was nutritional and and healthy, whatever that may mean to them. Um, So I think nutrition is definitely something that should be important on people's, you know, in, in terms of their days. And I think learning um, what is good for you as, as your oneself in terms of what things contribute to you that really help you perform better, mm-hmm. um, especially like your energy levels and your mind and things of that nature for the activity you're doing. Like our work is very is support driven. So, you know, we do a lot of um, interaction with users and, and they have questions and all that stuff. So it, it makes us think critically a lot of the time um there are some you know professions that they might need more more of a creative boost so they might have to tailor what they eat that really helps them unlock that so i think eating is is definitely a a good like start to what really helps you when it comes to self-care and wellness and and being prepared i think what I've come to learn over the years of working for myself, working from home, working for a distributed company is that you basically have to be as organized as you would be if you were working outside of home. And that includes with your food. So just because you're working from home doesn't mean you can be completely last minute and haphazard about everything 
meal prepping before the start of your work week is still important because you want to make sure that you have what you need available. Now, I really like that at lunchtime, I can prepare a really nice meal. Mm-hmm. I have the time to do that. I have my own kitchen. However, I always make sure I have everything I need to do that. And I usually know at least the night before what I'm going to be eating the next day. So, I think what is important for people to keep in mind if they are struggling with this work from home transition at all is what worked for you when you weren't working from home. Still do those things as much as you can because the, the fact is you're still expected to be present for your job to whatever extent that expectation is. And so whatever worked for you before is going to continue to work for you in this context. Yeah, and that's a great point. Now, you mentioned something um, in terms of like your own day, in terms of your own morning, I should say, that I would like to circle back to. Um, I don't want you to have to go over the full three-hour uh, morning routine, but is there some things that are like staples in your morning in terms of like, listen, if I don't do, I, it might be everything, but if I don't do these one or two things, it's like I'm, I'm completely thrown off. Yeah, definitely. And there are times that I have limited time for whatever reason. I can't do my full indulgent three hour routine. So First and foremost is some kind of grooming. So whether that's taking a shower or washing my face, uh, brushing my teeth, obviously, uh, making myself look, I don't want to say camera ready because that sounds like I'm putting on like a massive makeup and <laughs> I don't do that. But, you know, that... I, I'm going to presentable. People are going to be seeing me and I want to feel good, but it also helps me feel awake. That, that process makes me feel awake. So that's something I do no matter what. Also for me, having something to eat is, is extremely important. I know a lot of people are into intermittent fasting and they don't eat breakfast to each his own. I have opinions on that, of course. But for another me, episode for me, <laughs> I know if I don't put some form of nourishment in me, I'm not going to be able to focus for more than 10 minutes before I'm having some kind of sugar crisis as I'm sitting down in front of my computer. So eating and then some form of movement. So I have a dog. I have to walk her no matter what, which is great because I'm Going outside, Mm -hmm. which I also think is a great thing to do, even if you just step out your door and let the sunshine hit your face Mm -hmm. for five minutes. But having her to walk means I'm going to go outside and I'm also going to be able to move my body a little bit. So if all I can fit in are those three things, I'm still good. Yeah. And then there's ways to add to those experiences. For example, when I'm getting ready in the morning and I go into the bathroom, I have a little speaker in my bathroom so I can play music. I always like to play music instead of listen to the news or a podcast because music 
puts me in a great mood. And I always listen to something that I like to dance to. So that's something that's uplifting. If I don't have time to do my full exercise routine and my full meditation routine, when I'm walking my dog, I might do lunges as I'm walking her. And then I make a point to be as present in the moment with her as I can be just observing my surroundings taking in the day so it's as though I'm squeezing in some form of meditation in that if I can have my full routine then everything it has its own place but there are ways that you can make these experiences more special Mm -hmm. sort of modify the routine to the day that you're having. Yeah. So that way you're not feeling like, oh man, I didn't get my whole routine in. So I, I, I just, my day's done. Exactly. You can still do some things in your routine that are vital and you make time for, and then that way it sets your day right. Yep. Um, so one of the things you mentioned during, um, you know, some of the things we were listing there is, is just going outside and, you know, even if it's just for a short walk. I know I experience, I don't take like walk specifically, but I know for me when I'm going running, that's kind of the time that I have to almost meditate or just focus and just that's, that's my reset almost. And it's like, I'm not really running for um, like exercise per se, but I'm running because it just helps clear my mind. And there are times where I try to do it before my work day and it really helps not only wake me up, but also put me in a better state of mind. Um, And then there's also times where I like doing it after my work day because it's kind of like, man, I've had such a hectic day that it's it's the release of my day. It's the transition. Exactly. So it's like you, you... that whole notion of like, it needs to be at this time and all, you know, every single day for me to feel like it, you know, that's my... that's my complete workout or or I should say morning routine it doesn't need to be always at the same time you can modify it and still get everything that you need out of it um, regardless of what day it is right so you can but I would say if you don't have a morning routine it's important to come up with something and stick to it consistently for a few weeks until it feels like a habit. Because if you immediately say, oh, well, on this day I can do this, on that day I can do that, then that's when things kind of start to fall apart because you don't have something to default back to. I have my routine that I love and that I know contains everything I want. That's my default routine. Then on random days, if I happen to have a super early meeting that day and I'm not willing to wake up at 5 a.m. in order to do my routine, then I know I can modify it. But I think it's important to always have your baseline and do that as often as possible. Yeah. So one of the things you mentioned is is having those things. I, I don't know if you have any off the top of your head, um, like tips that you think are important for um, just like working from home during this time, whether that be workouts, whether that be like, hey, read a book in the morning, or at least a chapter or two, maybe that helps. Like anything that you think is helpful um, or especially for people that are transitioning 
to working from home. Um, in your experience, things that people might find themselves, maybe they didn't know about some of these things. So yeah. anything you can speak to on that? I think I'm going to come back to that transition time again. And what is challenging about working from home plus not being able to socialize in the way that we're used to is that we are home all the time. At least it feels that way. So it's important to create those moments of transition. Just like you said, you also feel great if you go for a run after work because you're then completing your, your work day. So that's, I think the most important thing is to have those lines in the sand. So, you know, when you're transitioning to these different parts of your day and as much as you can compartmentalize them. I know people that have kids have a whole different challenge, but as much as you can have morning time before work where you're not looking at work, you're not looking at your email, you're taking care of yourself, you're taking care of your family. Have a start to your work day, have an end to your work day, and what is a way you can transition? So again, for me, I always take my dog for a walk at the end of my work day before I give her dinner. So that once I close my computer and I walk her, that's my transition. And then I, then it's my evening and same with getting ready for bed. So it all comes down to these routines and rituals, right? And working from home can mean some kind of sacrifice of those things. So you then have to build that back up and bring that back into your life so that you feel that your days have these different pieces and components. Otherwise, you're going to start to go a little nuts. <laughs> that is true. Um, so one of the things I want to discuss, because I think it's a good transition, uh, which seems to be the word of the podcast, um, into something that you're doing now, which is coming up with these ways that people who are having struggles with coming up with their own routines that seem to be um that work best for them maybe, maybe they're trying to do something but it's just not really working for them they just want a little bit of extra help um so i would love to um speak on what you're doing right now which is helping people come up with these routines and if you could just speak on that process a little bit uh what you ask of the people you know that are coming to you and what you do on your end to kind of customize this routine to something that you think would be beneficial for them sure so like i said everybody is different everyone's unique everyone has their own needs i can't say do this every morning and your life will change. Everyone's going to want and need something different. So I started offering something on my website where people can fill out a survey, give me as much information as possible, and I'll design your morning routine for you because I love doing that. And I think if people have something to follow that's laid out for them, they can 
put that into practice. I suggest four weeks, devote yourself to it. And then after those four weeks, you have enough information to know what works, what needs to be changed or tweaked to make it work better for you. But at least you have something laid out. It's kind of like if you hire a personal trainer to help you with your exercise routine, you don't have to think about it. They've laid it out for you and you can just put it into action. So that was really my goal is to gift this to people who are willing to fill out the survey and give me this information and then they can just put it into practice and start to feel a change in their life. Yeah, it's almost like when you think about um, when you go online and you see like those meal plans and people are like, okay, I'm just going to follow this verbatim and and that makes it easy for them because they don't have to necessarily choose, hey, what am I going to make? Does this go with this? Does this fit into my, you know, daily caloric intake or whatever? They're just like, I'm just going to make, you know, this chicken and broccoli or whatever it is. And then that's going to make my work week easier since I would just have to make it one day a week. And then it's good for the rest of my uh, rest of the week. So in a way, this almost sounds like not, not like a meal plan, but it's like, Someone's giving a second person information and then that person, which is you, is taking that information and kind of tailoring it to something that you think would be beneficial for them. And then it's on them to try it out and then kind of see like, hey, this part worked, but this part didn't. Let's see what I can then modify from that to become my actual morning routine. Mm -hmm. um, have you had anyone or multiple people come and just kind of start the process for you? Well, I just released it into the world a few days ago. And so, yes, I have created a couple morning routines already. It's really fun. And the value that someone is going to receive from it initially is really based on how much time they are going to take in providing me with the information I ask for. So... The f I suggest giving yourself 15 minutes just to complete the survey. And what was interesting is I had someone fill it out and they gave me such a great breadth of information. I created their custom routine. It looks good, feels good. And then I looked at another response and I can see how long people spend on it and they spent less than three minutes on it and it was missing a lot of information that I asked for and so I couldn't provide them with anything. So what I'm asking of people is this is something I'm gifting for free and I spend about an hour on each routine that I create. So I'm just asking that you put in 15 minutes to offer thoughtful responses on what works well, or not what works well for you, but what it is that you're looking to change. And then I can offer something really robust in return. Yeah, and it's like, I feel like in this case, if you're really committed to making changes or, or trying something that you think may help you may help improve you in some way um you probably want to take like as much time as possible on giving someone else the information that they might need rather than making guesses to creating something that's going to help you it's almost like 
if you're asking someone to create a workout routine for you, if you're not giving them, you know, your weight or the type of, you know, movements that you can kind of do, they're really not going to be able to create like a viable workout program for you. So I think the same thing would be the case here where you want them to like give you as much information as possible so you can use that to their advantage. Well, yeah, the, the whole point is it's, it's completely customized to each individual. I could just offer a generic morning routine that everybody can do and you would get something out of that, but it's not necessarily going to contain the things that are important to you. And that's what I think makes the difference for people. We have so much information available to us online. I remember when I first got interested in meditation, I had complete information overload trying to figure out how to meditate because there are so many different meditation techniques. I wanted to know what the best meditation technique was. I created this way overly complex meditation routine that in many ways made me feel more stressed out Mm. than calm. And I just needed some guidance and I needed simplicity. And so rather than just throwing out a formula, I really want to give people something that is meaningful for them. And you don't have to include every single thing in your mornings, just adding one thing that makes you feel good can have a really profound effect on how you feel for the rest of your day. That's a great point. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's a great service. if You can call it that. Like I think not only the fact that it's free, but also that it is tailored and it's not just a, Hey, here's like this, ebook that has this like routine that may or may not even uh, like apply to them there might be instances of that routine that don't even apply to that specific person because of their circumstances so i think if you're interested in it if you're interested in making positive changes into like your day or maybe you're struggling with making this transition over to working from home um i think it's it's definitely a shot it definitely well worth it to take a shot and just give it a go. It's free. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so I guess what I'll end this topic on is in your opinion, how do you define wellness? Like what is a good state of being well in your mind? That's quite a profound question. (laughs) Come with the good stuff. (laughs) I, I think that wellness is a feeling of peace. And that feeling comes in many different flavors. So whatever feels well to any particular person at any given time in their life is going to, again, be very unique. And it depends on your particular life circumstance. For example, 
At this point in my life, I feel most well when I'm very active, whether that's physically active, creatively active, and also working on my goals. So my version of wellness is quite a full life, whereas someone else, their version of wellness might be much quieter. It might be much more introspective. It might be doing their work really well during the day and then completely relaxing in the evening. So it's more about how you feel inside. And I think that if you are feeling unwell, it's usually because you're somehow out of alignment with what it is you really want to be doing or feeling in your life in this moment. So wellness is alignment and that requires a really intimate relationship with yourself and taking time to check in and make sure you understand where you're at in your life right now. Are you meeting your own needs? And if not, what are those needs that want to be met? Yeah. And that's, I never thought of it in that way in terms of being in alignment, right? Like I think people are often, especially, you know, when it's, you know, a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, kids, you often will want to make sure that they're well and they're happy and everything. But I think it's also important for yourself to be in that place too, because then that will come off and create a sense of like calmness in yourself, which will then exude on other people. Um, and also if you're not feeling well, if you're feeling stressed out or, you know, frustrated or anything like that, I don't think you're going to come off in a positive way to others as well, right? Like that's going to create, um, hostility or maybe just an environment that just becomes very um kind of like walking on eggshells so i think this whole discussion is about at least in my mind it's like coming up with a way to align yourself and make sure that you're well which will always help out like in the long term rather than like hey i'm just gonna start exercising but i'm still pretty stressed out about work I'm still stressed out about X, Y, and Z. So it's like you have to come up with the full picture and mm -hmm. you have to make sure that you um, take care of the full self. And yeah. in this case, it's like aligning yourself, which is a great way to put it. And really being curious and patient in that process, meaning if you haven't really been exercising and you're feeling that itch, you might try something out and you don't like it. So don't keep doing that, but find something else. So be curious about yourself and your body and your mind and what works for you. I think that is super, super important. Not, there is no one formula that's, that's going to work for everybody. Awesome. So 
Thanks so much for having that discussion. That was awesome. Um, What we'll do now is take a quick break and then we'll come back with um, the second half of the podcast as usual. We'll have a discussion based on one of Kobe's games and just break down, uh, break that down a little bit more. So we'll be right back. All right. And we're back. Uh, for the second half of the podcast. So what we're going to be doing is essentially the same thing that we've done the first two episodes, um, going over one of Kobe's games. We're right now in his rookie year. So the game we're going to be going over today uh, is his game against Utah Jazz. The date on this was 1996, uh, November 20th. Um, I'm, the reason I wanted to go over this game um, is just because of something that's going to become more evident the next two games that he has but on this one he kind of had another roller coaster of um, low playing time high playing time low playing time and on this one he was not very efficient in terms of his scoring to minute ratio Um, I mean he he did have 80% shooting that night 11 points but you'll also see on the next couple games he didn't really perform that well but one of the things that I wanted to highlight on this game, and you can, I'll probably throw in a link to the YouTube video of the game that I watched, is how invested he was in terms of the full game that he had. He had 20 minutes and it felt like he was, you know, making the most of every single minute that he had. So one of the things that I also wanted to discuss with Sasha because of the fact that she used to live in LA and not necessarily Kobe related, but one of the things I wanted to bring up with her were while you were living in California, were there things that you remember in terms of how how big of a of a Laker town it is? Um, you know, did it feel like they were big in terms of not just the city, but like did everyone did people speak about the lakers as they were playing because there were a lot of moments while you were living there that you know they won championships and they went to the playoffs and they did things like that so be interested to hear your perspective on that it's pretty amazing to hear you talk about a game in 1996 because when you said that i realized i was in high school in egypt at the time so i did know anything about anything (laughs) i had been in egypt all through middle school as well so i was really disconnected from pop culture in a lot of ways and definitely american sports i'm not originally american so disconnected from that for many reasons and that carried through for a while. So I went to university in Canada, but I was not at all engaged in sports culture while I was there. Never went to a single sports game at my university. I couldn't even tell you what our mascot is. (laughs) And then when I moved to the U.S., I just had never experienced that kind of fandom when it comes to sports. And at the time, when I was first there, my friend group was really into college basketball. And that was like this whole other world. I didn't understand why why does everyone care so much about this? So I was 
just honestly completely clueless. I did not pay any attention to the Lakers while Kobe played for them, which Mm -hmm. is a huge regret of mine Mm -hmm. because I did get into the Lakers my last couple of years in LA and it's something, honestly, when I would be around people who were really into sports and who had a team that they really loved, I felt this sense of envy because there's so much excitement around games and what's going on and camaraderie and rivalry and all those things. And I just had, there was never a team that I cared enough about to get that excited about. Once when the Maple Leafs were in the playoffs, that was exciting just because I was in Toronto and, Mm -hmm. you know, felt patriotic to Toronto. But so sadly, I was disconnected from all of that. And like with many things in LA, it's a huge city There's something for everyone. And if you're not plugged into something, it's easy to not even notice it exists. So until I really got interested in the Lakers, I knew nothing about them. And the only time I really knew who Kobe Bryant was, was when he had his big media scandal uh, be, because he was accused of rape. Yeah. And the thing, the thing that I remember most is that he got this big tattoo of his wife. Mm-hmm. And so unfortunately my intro to Kobe was very negative. Yeah. Okay. Um, when those last, you said the last couple of years, that's when you started to get into them. Uh, did you end up going to any games out there or, you know, did you have any um, get togethers with people that were watching the games and such? Yes. I, I went to one game at Staples Center. As you know, games are really expensive. Yes. Which is a shame. <laughs> However, somehow they're all sold out anyway. I was really excited to go to a a game because by then I'd been paying attention to them for about a year and my favorite player, Kyle Kuzma did not play that game, (laughs) which happens to be a running thing. Almost. Yes. He did. also did not play the second game I went to. Uh, but of course it was really exciting to be at Staples center and to be live amongst all the fans and to see it all happening in person And it was also just as fun to watch games with friends on TV, whether it was at a bar at somebody's house. And it it just, I guess, what really got me into the Lakers was knowing, being friends with someone who was really, into had been into the Lakers his whole life. And so he got me like really interested in all the players and their life stories. And then all of a sudden I felt invested in these people. And I I remember at the first year that I got into them at the end of that year, they all left. Mm -hmm. And then I I was devastated and I had to form new relationships with the (laughs) Lakers after that. Uh, But it's yeah, it's really fun to be 
to be into that team. And it was really cool to go to a game in Miami and see how many Lakers fans there were. Because when I went to the Staples Center game, I don't remember seeing any fans mm-hmm. other than Lakers. Yeah. So that was something really unexpected. Yeah, it is funny as a Laker fan going to, you know, games when I used to live in New Jersey and when I used to live in Orlando and the game that we went to in Miami, it's like just about every single game I went to, it was like easily half the stadium was the home team. And then you could easily say that half the arena was like a Laker fan, which is crazy because it's a whole different coast (laughs) And you would think that it would just be full of, you know, the home team's fans. Um, But there's so many Laker fans in the world, um, not just in the U.S. It's like people all over the world are Laker fans, just like there are, you know, different type of fans for all sports like the Yankees and all these other uh, major league sports. So that's uh, that's pretty interesting um, to hear your perspective of living in L.A., Um, and especially me knowing so much about the Lakers and hearing how big of a Laker town LA is, but you could easily be just disconnected from all of that and not see, you know, anything of that. Um, and, and the Lakers did go through a pretty long stretch of not winning, you know, championships. So you, you could easily miss, you know, like not going to one of their parades or whatever the case may be. Well, also the nature of LA, the way the city is, is huge and it's sprawling. So it's easy to miss things that are, are going on. So like I said, there was that time when the the Maple Leafs were in the playoffs. And what I loved most about that were people flooding into the streets. But Toronto has a very definitive downtown core. If you go there, there's something going on. And so as soon as they won, everyone would just flood the streets and it was amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and it would be really hard to miss. But in LA, something massive could be going on in one part of the city, but you're in a completely different part of the city and you just have no idea. Yeah. So it's very likely a lot of Lakers action was going on while, I mean, I was there starting in 2003. So, uh, who knows what I was missing out on? Probably a lot. (laughs) Could have been a a parade right in front of, like, just two streets over. You wouldn't know it. Um, So, that's yeah, that's pretty interesting. And then you kind of touched on this already. Um, My second question was going to be, you know, sports in your life previously. Um, But as you said, you know, you weren't really uh, in tune with that too much. You didn't take part in it and stuff like that. But I guess one thing I do want to ask is like, in terms of your life now, um, what things do you do to stay active, Um, you know, exercise wise and things of that nature? Like, are there um, activities that you really enjoy doing? I know you mentioned uh, running before, but if you can kind of elaborate on that. Yeah, I, I love being active in general. And over the past few months, I started doing interval running. Running is something that I always thought looked great, and I've dabbled in it, but I never really got into it. And then I started 
running in intervals. So I basically jog for two minutes, walk for one minute, and I do that for 30 minutes, and it feels amazing. And then I also got into this program called Ballet Beautiful, which is a workout based on ballet toning run by a ballerina, and I can do it from home, and the results are incredible, and I just love the style of it because... The instructor is very gentle. She doesn't yell at you. It's not. It's it's not one of these. What are they called? Insanity kind of workouts. Oh yeah, like the P ninety X and all that. Different tone, and those are fun too. But just, I just not really my style. So those are the things I'm into, and I do yoga, some form of yoga, pretty much every single day as I have for the past 20 years. So, Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, you definitely keep active. Um, keeps me active too. So that's, that's been a good influence on me. Um, so yeah, I just want to thank you so much for being here. This was an amazing conversation. Um, I definitely learned some things and I hope that you enjoyed speaking on something that you're so passionate about and um, knowledgeable on. Definitely. Uh, and is there any um, current projects that you'd like to speak about? You know, I know you mentioned earlier in the conversation that you have the morning routine um, kind of project that you're going on now. And if you want to kind of plug your website, any other projects you're working on, feel free. Thank you. Yeah, if anybody is interested in having me design a morning routine for them, they can go to my website, which is thatdistributedlife.com and just click in the menu. It says a free gift or a gift for you or something like that. Yeah, I think it's a gift for you. Thank you. (laughs) Which you expertly highlighted with your CSS skills. So it's very apparent. You can just click on that and there's a survey to fill out. And when you fill it out, then I will create your routine for you. And you can also find me on Instagram at sashamariestone.com. And you can always message me there. And there's a link to my website from there as well, directly to that morning routine page. So that's really my focus and what I would like, what I would like the next phase of that to be is Uh, putting together a group of people who are really interested in up-leveling a particular wellness goal and doing that together in a group coaching context. So that'll be next phase, but we're starting with morning routines. It's a great start, especially nowadays. So Thank you again, Sasha, for being here. Um, I'll go ahead and put in all of the information, such as her Instagram handle and website and things of that nature in the description for the show. So you'll be able to find them there. Um, Thanks again, and I'll see you guys next time.